Welcome to another episode of Comment Section. And this time, if you listen to the last episode, we had a little bit of a, a prelude to this episode in the form of oh, talking yes. about the history of our time with the character Spider-Man. But this time, we're going to get right to it. We're going to review and talk about the movie Spider-Man No Way Home. That's right. And because, of course, because the implication of that, we are going to, it is implied that in that case, we are going to give spoilers. Yes. Spoilers all the way through. So please, if you don't want any spoilers, you haven't seen it, you don't want any spoilers. I know it's a big deal to spoil this movie. You don't exactly. want it spoiled. Go see it. Don't get it spoiled. You don't want it spoiled, but we're going to spoil it. And I'm going to spoil it in three, two, one. I'm going to spoil it in three, two, one. Spoils th- three, two, one. Aunt May dies. And, exactly. Um, uh, Green Goblin is in it. Oh, yes, exactly. And he doesn't die this time. Yeah. Um, so with that, um, I would love to get into this movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Do you have one more segment before we get into the actual review of it? And that is what so many people have struggled to do this time around, which was avoiding spoilers. Now you alluded to, um having it where you only kind of had one thing spoiled. Was that pretty much it? You were lucky. You were one of the lucky yeah. ones. I have to say, like, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of, I think it's algorithm stuff. Like, I, um, like, I refuse to even be into the topic until I've seen it. Like, I was not <laughs> consuming anything Spider-Man related until after I saw it. And then it was the floodgates were open. I rewatch things after I watch interviews after I rewatch the trailers after um, I don't anticipate in the same way, I think. And so my algorithm is all like video game speed runs and board game reviews. Like I'm not seeing stuff about the Spider-Man movie that just came out. I don't know. Oh yes. So. All right. Now I talked about how I read plot leaks, but after like two weeks before the movie, I said, I'm done. I'm going to try and go in as cold as I can, even though I knew the whole plot of the movie, but <laughs> try and go in as cold as I can. And there was only one spoiler I cared about. Only one thing I didn't want to know ahead of time, which was I didn't want to know that Toby and Andrew were not in the movie. That's the only thing I cared about. I see yeah. anything that shows they're in it. Fine. I don't want to know that they're not in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So one of the first things I saw, YouTube constantly screwed me over this time. But I did see some fake ones, and one of them was a clip of Andrew Garfield. And how did I know it was fake? Because I knew exactly what scene it was from, from the first Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it was nice the scene fly. where... um Gwen is at Peter's house after her dad's funeral. She leaves and it's him looking out the door and Aunt May says, what a pretty girl. I'm like, that's not it. I know what that's from. You're a liar. Andrew Garth yeah. is not going to look exactly the same way he did in 2012. Yeah. Someone lied on the internet. Yes. And then I saw another thing, which was, again, looked like it was filmed off a phone off a screen. It was Toby 
standing in his spider suit without the mask at night, and there was water behind him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if it's real or fake, but if it's fake, that was a very good job. Mm-hmm. Which now I know it was true. I know what scene it was from, too. Mm-hmm. Then I saw another fake one. Venom meeting the Spider-Men. Which did not happen in the movie. And I was that was something I was like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. Then the movie was done. I was like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, interesting. And I saw there was a clip that said three Spider-Men pointing. And the, but the thumbnail was a blurry image of Ned. So I was like, okay, I don't know if that's real or fake, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I also got to bring up the thing I read from the plot leak that wasn't in the movie. So I read the last plot leak, which turned out to be true. But it did describe one thing that wasn't in the movie, which if it was a deleted scene, thank God they cut it. I just want to know what you would have thought of the scene, because I think it would have been stupid and too on the nose. Okay. In that plot leak, it said, there was going to be a scene where... Tom tells Toby that Toby looked just like his Uncle Ben. So in the Marvel Universe, Uncle Ben would have also been played by Toby. Oh, I see. It feels a little weird. Oh, exactly. (laughs) I I was not a fan of that. Yeah. But luckily, they cut it. All right. Shall we get into our initial thoughts? Spider-Man No Way Home. I would love to. Yes. Um, man, I, it's hard to know how to start with these initial thoughts. Yes. Well, I um, can go first. I mean, yeah. Are we going to put ourselves into the shoes of uh, being in the theater and those first few minutes start and we're watching it? And you know, <laughs> I suppose let's, so. like, let's take us there. Let's take yes. us there. I don't even, we, I made sure because I was so close. When you said you saw, I was so close to sending you a bunch of messages about your thoughts. I was like, no, no, stop it. No, yeah, we will wait. So I don't even know mm-hmm. if you hate the movie or not, but we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I guess. Huh. You don't know anything. No, I you know, don't. I'll I'll, uh, I'll start us off then, because it's funny you mentioned that. Because yes. um, Here's my experience uh, watching the video. You you told me about your thoughts on it uh, before, and then when I finally saw it on Sunday. And I was uh, sitting in the theater. I was feeling really hyped, and the movie started. And there was one thing that I kept remember you saying that, like, you were like, the first 10 minutes or so were like, I don't know. And then there was a point where you were like, okay, this is actually good. Yeah, uh, but you were worried at first. Even though you said that, there was a time towards the beginning where I was starting to think, like, what if I <laughs> hate this? And this is like, I, I mean, like, how weird will that be? Because I expect, I after everything I heard, I, I expected to like it so much. Uh, and that was consuming a lot of my thoughts for the first, I would honestly say almost 20, 20, 25 minutes uh, where I wasn't like super engaged. 
and I was thinking about like, I don't know where this is going yet, but what if I don't like it? <laughs> um, that said, this could be my favorite MCU movie. Oh, wow. Big words. <laughs> I wanted to do a full reversal. Uh, this is everything I hoped for for this iteration of Spider-Man. Yes. Like, I think I've kind of settled it's my third favorite, which I never thought I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, yeah. So I guess I'll get into my initial thoughts then. Got me worried for a second when you took a pause. I was like, <laughs> Oh, you like, yeah, it's fine. It's no Iron I, Man 2. <laughs> no, with not at a all. little bit of Thor the Dark World. <laughs> not at all, really. I like yes. it more each and every day that passes. Yes, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, the more you think about, it, the better it is. Yeah. All right. So for me, Spider-Man No Way Home is the ultimate celebration of the past two decades of Spider-Man in film. It gives the closure fans have been wanting for years, redemption after recent mistakes, and leaves the character in an exciting new place. With the spectacle of an Avengers Infinity War and the heart of a Spider-Man 2, this film shows why Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker, is the greatest character in the Marvel Comics universe. Well said, well prepared. Oh, yeah. I didn't have that. I just have to stumble <laughs> over the fact that, like, this movie really made me feel things. It felt redemptive. It felt, um, uh, obviously nostalgic, but like in a really like artful way that didn't just feel like bad fan service. Like, it really felt like it all served a, a purpose and like they were careful with it um and uh it just feels like a really uh great uh res respectful history of the character in film um and honestly more than anything it just was like uh I don't know how to like I kept thinking I'm sure I'm sure this is something that you can uh ag agree with. I would imagine like especially someone who really didn't like the other two. <laughs> it feels like even though the same people were involved, like they were really on their A game cuz this feels like it was written by different people. Oh yeah, like exactly. everything about this, the the performances gotten out of people, the script the way that the characters like I'm at, I, I may be getting in my ahead of myself, but I'm like curious, like they're like, I guess I'll just ask this question. Like uh, there are a lot of characters you did not like and your least favorite I think is Ned. Yeah. How do you feel about him in this movie? Because to me, he seems <laughs> like a different character in this movie. Yes. He worked in this movie. Like, yeah. He, to be fair, um, there were some corny moments like, oh, let's go catch some multiverse men. But like one of my favorite moments is like where um, MJ says, 
I wouldn't change anything. Like after they get their college rejection letters, yeah. And Ned's like, me neither. And he rips it up and he goes, oh, yeah. although I do need to show this letter to my parents, and <laughs> yeah. then scoops so it good. up. That was good. Like I can't believe it was made by the same people who made Far From Home and Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Oh, to be fair, it sounds like in recent interviews, Kevin Feige was the one who told them the story to do. Oh, like. Okay. But still, like they exit, <laughs> they execute it so well. Like, yeah, I don't know if it was, maybe it was like there was more pressure because they were bringing in the other ones, and it does kind of feel like they kind of knew they dropped the ball. Like, even in the movie, they mentioned Iron Man Junior. Yeah, I noticed that too. Like, it almost felt like they were acknowledging some of the criticisms. It was a little like yes, hanging, uh, and then because there was that. Iron Man Jr. like magazine headline yes. or something. Yeah. And then clearly they really acknowledged it in the final scene where they show the sewing kit and that he made his own suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but did you kind of have the same first thoughts of like, were, did you think the first 10 to 15 minutes were fine or were you just like... um The first, I would even expand it to... 20 to even 30 minutes that were like just kind of like where is this going i don't know like i didn't have any idea of where the plot was going really and so i was kind of just like i don't a lot is happening i don't feel like i'm being led in any direction and it's like i don't feel invested yet it felt like a very long time Till the inciting incident happened and I felt invested and was on board. Um, that's not to say it was bad or inherently boring. It is to say, however, that like while watching it, I wasn't sure what to think. But now I do think that the first 30 minutes was good. And that I think every time I rewatch it, I think there's nothing there's nothing wrong with the first 30 minutes like uh because it, it, i it, it just kind of something wasn't connecting with me at first but i do think it's good all right i will say i've seen it three times but the first few minutes until we get to the point where the fbi kind of interrogates them the first three minutes i'm like whoo that was a little rough <laughs> but no. All right, so let's get into what worked about the movie. And I'll start, I guess, um, I don't know how you divided it up, but I figured I'd first talk about some of the characters. So Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Spider-Man was actually Spider-Man again and not just Iron Man Jr. And having a proper solo film showed us more depth to the character that you can't have in team-up movies. And... Two of my favorite lines that he had that felt so Peter Parker was, I'm the most famous person in the world, but I'm still broke. And when he's on Mm -hmm. the phone saying, wish me luck, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man could really use it. Yeah. And I thought Tom Holland was fine in Civil War and Infinity War when he has someone like a Robert Downey Jr. to help him. But... I'm just going to be honest. I think he struggled compared to Toby and Andrew in his first two movies, carrying them by himself 
Mm-hmm. And I think casting him as young as he was was a mistake. And that I, I'll just say I don't think he should have been the third Spider Man. I think he should have been the fourth one. However, this movie now that he's one year younger than Toby was when he started, it felt like he was finally able to carry a movie on his own. Like he has such a different presence in this movie compared to Far mm-hmm. From Home and Homecoming. So yeah. I kept on saying, like, I don't think he's ready yet to lead a movie, but this movie showed he finally got there. He is now ready to lead Spider-Man movies. So, yeah. What did you think? I, I agree. About Tom Holland um, Spider-Man in this film. I do think that this is his, uh, this, uh, yeah, in, in by that same effect, in a weird way, it feels like the first movie where it's really at the emotional core about Peter Parker as a, a character and uh, I, I say that because like uh, despite the fact that there are so many characters in this and references like still the main emotional arc of the movie revolves around him and like growing and changing and learning things with him and he also carries the movie uh, uh, quite literally by basically steamrolling the whole plot with his choices <laughs> so yes yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels very, uh, and it does feel like um, a lot of the dialogue and uh, quotes that he has feel more friendly neighborhood Spider-Man style stuff, which is what I'm into, uh, as opposed to um, kind of being a supporting character of the Avengers or something. Like yes. Uh, I think that that's stronger uh, and feels more like a Spider-Man movie than a Avengers spinoff or something. Yeah, this felt for the first time in a while that like this is the same character that Toby and Andrew played in those Mm -hmm. movies. Like it's still the same character. They felt finally like Spider-Man. Yeah. So I didn't know if you wanted to go next into what your what worked for you in the film. Uh, I mean, we could either do that or we could talk about some of the characters first. Either way, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you're about to go uh, character for character. Um, I, I mean, if you I want to, have... we could, we could go character by character and then jump back and forth. Yeah, if you want to go in whatever order you wish to, because I, I don't right. have just like a comprehensive list of like what worked. All right, let's talk about Spider Man. No, not the Tom Holland one. We're going to talk about Tobey Maguire himself, our childhood Spider-Man. Was he in this? He was. (laughs) He was. Um, Yes, where did my notes go? Oh, there they are. Yes, the return of our childhood live-action Spider-Man, and he felt just like an older Peter Parker would. I loved how, because he was the one that we've known the longest, he was the one who had the most movies. It, I loved how they used him to help both Tom and Andrew with their arcs in the film. Yeah. And it felt like a really nice conclusion for Toby Spider-Man to find himself, you know, cause Tom is in high school. He just mm-hmm. lost a parent figure. Where did Toby's franchise begin? And it started with him a senior in high school and losing uncle Ben. So there's kind of a full circle thing of Toby's going back 
where it all started for him. Yeah. He felt and, like the, the wiser, older Spider-Man who kind of was watching over the other two and had advice for them. Yes. Uh, which was surprising because I, I really liked that there was that dynamic, even with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, that like, uh, um, that like, he, he Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man didn't even, uh, it's not like both of them were lording this experience over Tom Holland's Spider-Man or something. Yes. Like yeah. Kind of to- level playing field. Yeah, Toby was clearly like the mentor character. And mm-hmm. it was nice to see how it all worked out from, you know, to quote Spider-Man 3, that nerdy kid from Queens. And, you know, having Toby go back to where it all began for him, another go around with his villains and mentoring the younger Spider-Man felt like a great way to finally say goodbye to this version of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a really nice, almost a perfect send-off mm-hmm. for the character that we've been waiting for since Spider-Man 4 got canceled. And I won't mention it yet. I'll let you have the whole episode to think about it. But there was something that happened in this movie that I always regretted we never had happened in Toby's movies. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, I'll stow that away. Don't know what you're referring to. But uh, yeah, it felt there was a lot of closure in just how um, uh, it it felt very um, uh, like you felt the passage of time with uh, uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker and... uh, it just felt like a very nice send off. And you mentioned, uh, I, I noted this because you mentioned it last episode that you were worried that, uh, if Andrew and Toby were in the movie, that they would be thrown under the bus to elevate, uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Yeah. And in an interesting way, it was almost a reversal of that because yes. of how Toby Maguire, uh, really had to kind of teach him a lesson when uh, Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man was trying to be vengeful and wanted yes. murder. He wanted revenge. And um, Tobey Maguire was like, uh, I mean, this was all in eye contact, which is such a good scene. But oh, like yes. when you, it was basically like all in eye contact, you could almost tell the conversation was like, I know how you feel right now. I yeah. wanted this type of revenge before too it's not the right way to go. Yeah. Like Toby, I think plays the role, the most different from Andrew and Tom. Like I think of the two who plays the most similar to be Andrew and Tom. Yeah. But like Toby, he does it a little differently, but yeah, it's still so perfect for Spider-Man. Like this is mm-hmm. why, like this movie shows Marvel. Hey, you can recast and it's fine. Because yeah. Hey, sometimes you have two Spider-Man actors who are better than the one you have, but whatever. <laughs> And but all three were great in the film, but like we were talking about earlier, like the way he had it, like his facial reaction, mm-hmm. and like he'd had this too, right? Like he um went after the guy who killed Uncle Ben, he had his thing with the black suit mm-hmm. where he wanted to kill Sandman, and also, like, look, I know he killed Aunt May, but. Peter had to deal a lot with Norman Osborn and still like the after effects of like the death of his son and all that. 
Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, can I bring up something that really annoyed me with the audience I was with? Uh, for No Way Home? Yeah. You're, you're the audience? The audience annoyed me. Like, there's a scene where Ned asks Peter, did you ever have a best friend? And then Peter's like, yeah, he died in my arms and it was tragic. The audience I was with was laughing at them. I'm like, what? What? I know it's MCU, which is, a, which is you know, a sitcom like Friends or the Big Bang yeah. Theory. Like, this is some serious stuff right here. Like, why are you laughing? Yeah, that's weird. Like, I mean, I know that laughter is uh, uh, like a, a tension release, but it does feel like maybe they're like a- expecting it to be like, this is silly look it's all your favorite characters i don't know it feels it just of, uh, it was weird. odd and i was like guys shut the hell up you're ruining it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is part of the advantage of continuing to avoid spoilers and seeing it later there were actually not that many people in the theater i was in. well it has been a month so yeah surprising a month later oh you know like... what i hope happens soon um oh, what? deadline i think it's deadline they've been posting like the scripts for movies that are trying to like win Oscars. Mm-hmm. I know for Spider Verse they posted the script. If we can't have the Blu-ray yet, which I don't think will probably come out till March, I would love to at least be able to read the script again. Like, yeah. I've been going like on Barnes and Noble. Like, is there an official novelization? Like, I was able to buy the novel of Spider-Man Three or Dark Knight before it yeah. came out on Blu-ray, but mm-hmm. I just. Yeah. I want more. Yeah, keep looking. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess, was that all you had for uh, Toby's Spider-Man? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, I mean, a lot of the, the things that worked, I like that scene I mentioned will come out naturally in talking about the characters. So, I think this is a good way to do it. Yes. Oh, before I forget, when he got stabbed in the back, did you think he was going to die? I mean, I kind of, I kind of did. Uh, I, I mean, that seemed to be the implication. I didn't think for sure. Like, I thought maybe there's some way to be saved, but I, I did think that was, it was, it was funny how they played that off. Cause I mean, if you, like, he is a superhero. So he got stabbed <laughs> and they really yes. just did play it off like, yeah, that hurt. I got stabbed. <laughs> it was I've like just never seen a movie go that route. <laughs> oh yes. It was like the kind of what they did with Tony Stark in Infinity War, but more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Spider-Man again. What? Three? That's right. Three. Uh, what this is too much Spider-Man talk. Yes. We're gonna talk about, about him again. Oh yes. Spider-Man played by Andrew Garfield. <clears throat> this was while Toby was the return of my childhood Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield was the return of my favorite live-action Spider-Man yeah. actor. The and second me, Spider-Man introduced in this particular movie. What? The 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 second Spider-Man introduced oh, yes. in this particular movie. Oh yes. <laughs> and for me, he stole the show and I thought was the best character in the movie. I think there's an argument to be made that Andrew Garfield in this movie has the best story arc ever told in the MCU. And, you know, people are going to like 
come out of this movie with their favorites. But can I just say, it's nice to see more people coming to the enlightenment that Andrew Garfield is the best live action yeah. Spider-Man we've ever had. Yeah, I was actually going to say, like, this movie, having them all, like, there at once and stuff, like, just seeing them compared so directly... I do. I did wonder if it would bring people to the light, and I think it will because, yeah, the the scene where he first is introduced in this movie, it's immediately like, wow, he's such a strong Spider-Man. Like, yes, uh, yeah, he just he steals the show with it every time. Yes, and um, I thought, um, even more so than Toby, because like. With Toby, there was a little bit of a cliffhanger, but still by Spider-Man 3, stuff was kind of wrapped up. Mm -hmm. Like in this film, they did a great job of wrapping up the loose ends from his series by showing how Gwen's death was still affecting him. He was Mm -hmm. helping Tom, who was in a similar situation. And, you know, the two scenes I thought really helped, you know, Andrew's Spider-Man move on was when he saved MJ like yeah. he wasn't able to for Gwen and yeah. the interaction he had with Toby in the lab. That was just the two of them. And mm-hmm. also the best comedy moments of the three Spider-Man like mm-hmm. yeah, easily my favorite character in the movie. So yeah. what'd you think I, about the return of Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man yeah. in the film? I, 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 on that note that you just said, I do think Andrew Garfield is, the best at kind of doing the snarky thing that the MCU tries to do all the time. And he's better at playing that off in a way that is a little uh, easier to swallow, I guess. (laughs) So um, yeah. Uh, uh, You know, I don't, because I don't, have as much of an attachment to him and don't remember and remember the amazing spider movies the least i wasn't as privy to a lot of the references and to the closing of the arc but uh even still i did i do agree that i think the um the uh events of uh like Tom Holland Spider and like not being able to save MJ and then he sees the opportunity and uh jumps at it and uh saves her and it's again like without words just like in expressions and stuff you Oh yeah when MJ asks are you okay and he gives that little nod or whatever Yeah like you can just tell that that was closure for him in a way that like uh yeah it's just like there's only so much screen time and lots of characters and they really gave every Spider-Man uh a an, an emotional core, a, a crux to the movie that kind of gave each one of them closure. And um, yeah, that was probably my favorite one in terms of like the closing of an emotional core to a, a Spider-Man in this movie. Uh, that was one of my favorite scenes. And yeah. 
Oh, yes. So one of my favorite moments is like when like Electro first comes up and he's like, hey, Max, I missed you, buddy. And stuff like that. Yeah. By the way, did you remember the great line? Because I mentioned in the other episode, like there was a great line. Be said between a few characters and I couldn't be very specific. Uh, Wait. I just uh, want to know what you thought about the line. Do you you probably don't remember it, but I mentioned it in our year-end special. I've been waiting so long to mention it to you again. Oh, I, I remember you you mentioning this and to wait until I saw it. What was it? What was the It, it was a line before the final battle said between a few people that mentions the Avengers. Uh... I wait. I do remember this. I just can't remember what the line is. Um, the Avengers. You don't remember? I guess it didn't make as big an impact on you. I, I for some reason I'm not being. The scene isn't coming to me, so I'm forgetting. All right. So Tom says, "Guys, we need to work as a team." I don't want to brag, but I was in oh. the Avengers, and Toby oh, goes, and they, yeah. "The Avengers? That's great." Yeah. What is that? And yeah, Andrew's like, yeah, is that yeah. a band? Are you in a band? Yeah, I did. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't understand what you're referring to, but I do remember <laughs> that. That was awesome. Oh, yes. Although I do. Uh, he thought I, he was I, really I, he thought he was really serving something when he was like, I was in the Avengers. And like, oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I saw someone say on Twitter, which um, by the way, I always mean to follow you on Twitter, but I never use my Twitter just to like look at like new mm. stuff but i one don't day, post on it much so i don't post on it much either but there was um someone who said now like i love this scene we had and i think i might prefer that but it would have been like a little cool if uh someone said what if toby instead of saying that's great what is that he was like do you mean like the X-Men or the Fantastic Four? Like those other ones are in <laughs> yeah, his universe? Yeah, those exist. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yes. Now, before we get on to our non-Spider-Man characters, I said um, Andrew's Spider-Man was my favorite of the three, both like performance-wise and character-wise. So of the three, who was your favorite? Hmm. And they all were good. All three were good. I can see myself changing this a lot like throughout time because they were all good. I mean, I I think every time that Andrew Garfield was on screen, he was just kind of stealing the show for me. Like, kind of like least impactful spider-man for me but i do think he was my favorite of the three in this all right now shall we get to another superhero yeah yeah this one we'll finally talk about other ones yeah spider-man finally talk about one who's not spider-man that is stephen strange himself you're talking talking about the wizard okay oh yes the wizard yeah we're not talking about ned Although he does have some tingling in his fingers and he should see a physician. <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah. Doctor Strange, he had some good uh, lines in this movie. Luckily, not that god-awful line from the trailer. 
but yeah, I, I noticed that too, uh, <laughs> like towards the end where I, I noted that you said something that was in the trailer, wasn't it? And I was like, oh yeah, the whole like thing that it, it appeared it was going to be the plot of the movie starting it like the trailer yes. was showing like this is the inciting incident that wasn't just not in the movie yes um anyway uh like, why would they put that in there <laughs> yeah it seems like uh seems like some trickery yes but yes the doctor yes dr strange doctor i think strange. this is one of my favorite movies the doctor strange i think this is one of my favorite doctor strange performances like oh uh, yes you know you haven't seen the his movie right his first movie no so So that's saying Infinity. oh wait you saw him in ragnarok so you saw him in ragnarok i've seen every other thing he's been in except except his own (laughs) that's right yeah yeah all right so dr strange role in the film made sense for the story they were telling it didn't feel like he was just thrown in there oh Mm -hmm. i need to say once again because, you know, after Space Jam, I feel like this is my platform. Like, all the fan service served narrative purpose. And Doctor yeah. Strange in here served narrative purpose. He wasn't just thrown in there just to be thrown in there. Yeah. And they did a great job of making sure he didn't overshadow Spider-Man. And although he's not one of my favorite Marvel characters, like, you know, at the top, you got, like, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Wolverine, you know, Captain America, Hulk, you know, Dr. Strange is kind of down there with Thor and Ant-Man for me, but I gotta say these infinity war and no way home really made me appreciate the character even more. So yeah, I I really liked his role in the film. So your thoughts on Dr. Strange in the film. Yeah. I mean, on that note, like the reason why I didn't see the Dr. Strange movies, because I don't, I like I don't care about Doctor Strange, but it's all about the execution of the character and with the way they have been executing this character lately. I really like Doctor Strange in Infinity War and Endgame. I like him even more in this. And like I think he's becoming a standout in the MCU to me because just the way the character has been executed has been uh, so great compared to a lot of other characters. And in terms of this movie, it, it is like, uh, I think I almost expected him to be like, um, uh, you know, not quite like he was the in, inciting instigator for the plot. And that was just kind of it. He was really in it quite a lot more than I expected it without overshadowing. And he also seemed like the perfect character to cross over from the rest of the MCU by also like not overshadowing it, not being like, obviously he wouldn't have been, but if it was like Iron Man was in it. uh, Yes. Like there could have been a character that would overshadow it being a Spider-Man movie. So Doctor Strange is kind of the perfect pick for uh, like it making sense plot wise connecting still to the MCU without it being like far from home was just like, there was nothing there other than it just being an MCU thing. Uh, yes. Like, like it, it was it, more MCU than it was Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so by all accounts, I think Dr. Strange was 
a stellar addition to the plot and made the movie uh really good it, i mean in some ways it's it can be a little bit of a cop-out when you just have a magic guy and so you, anything kind of goes but you know it works <laughs> yes all right now let's move on to the villains all right green and goblin william defoe once again showed how great he is in the role and my favorite scene of his was the fight scene at Happy's apartment, especially the scene where Peter is punching him and the I can't believe on his smiling face. I was gonna bring this specific part up, and I, I didn't. I thought you were gonna think I was crazy when I said like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when Green Goblin was being punched. Yeah, thought you were gonna think I was crazy <laughs> because it was like okay, you just, no, that was that was like. <laughs> Holy crap. He's like the best villain in this. That is such a good performance. Yeah. Oh, he was scary. Yeah. And um, I do wish that he still had the mask throughout the movie just because I, I prefer masks. But I did like how we finally got to have the purple added to the costume. Like we have in the oh, comics, like how he I has that. Yeah, yeah. the purple yeah. Cat thing, I guess. <laughs> I'll honestly say this was maybe one of the only movies where the constant not wearing a mask didn't bug me. Because in a lot of these, they're constantly taking off their mask in this weird way where it just feels like it takes me out of the movie because it's just like you're just doing this for like an acting thing. Like this, but in this, none of it really bugged me. And uh I think part of the reason is because with Willem Dafoe in general, he, he is such a good actor and so good at being creepy that I actually think it was better and creepier without the mask. Like he was just that good at performing with his face. What if they painted his face green? I would have preferred that over just his face. That's true. That would look, I mean, that would obviously look really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe give him some contacts so he has like yellow eyes or something. Yeah. yeah. No, he was awesome. On I guess, yeah, you can say he was the main villain. So I guess the question is, that a lot of people have been asking is, is he the best villain in the MCU now? Or best main villain? Because I'll he wasn't my favorite villain in the movie. He was my second favorite. But, I mean, of the main villains, is William Dafoe's Green Goblin the best villain, main villain in the MCU? And I got to say... As much as, you know, you got Loki, you got Thanos, and Red Skull. I guess of the main villains, mm -hmm. not counting another one who was also in the movie, I say mm -hmm. Green Goblin was the best villain they've ever had. You know, I, I think I think he is. Like, I just, I've barely seen a better performance at being a creepy villain. And I just, I mean, again, I just watched Spider-Man 1 last night. And while I say like, like, I I think it's a significantly less good movie than Spider Man Two. I can I can say that now. Um, great, one of my favorite superhero movies ever. Don't get me wrong, but like, yes, it's important you say it. You're not like Spider Man still, One is trash. No, I'm just it's saying just, the it's like a Batman Begins type situation, right? Like yeah. Batman Begins is great. Yeah, I would it's say the awesome. same thing about Batman Begins. But Dark Knight, man, that is yeah. 
it is really a very similar comparison. It feels like Batman Begins and Spider-Man 1 are getting it going. There's a lot of awkwardness. And the second one is like, holy crap. Uh, and incidentally, those are my two favorite superhero movies of all time. So, but anyway, um, I mean, the thing that Spider-Man 1 has that, I mean, Willem Dafoe's performance as the Green Goblin is one of the creepiest villain performances. And I almost feel like I wish I would have gotten even more of it in this, even though he was the main villain, because it was like, I think he was performing even better like in this one than uh, in in Spider-Man 1. It's just kind of hard to compare because I don't think he got quite as much time where in like spider-man one he had there's all of this inner dialogue and like yeah well, also half in spider-man the with them and like spider-man one we're being introduced to mm-hmm. the character it's not like uh, i mean he's in the other two as like a mere ghost or whatever but it's not like yeah. it's not like wow toby like in number two it's like all right we know who toby is we're gonna keep going versus mm-hmm. like he really was in his introduction and then killed off yeah it, yeah Exactly. Uh, And it really brought back to me. And I kind of blocked this out, but I was really scared of the Green Goblin when I was a child. (laughs) I was very scared. The scene in Spider-Man 1 where you think he's saving an old lady and he turns around quickly and you see it's a Green Goblin. Oh, that's awesome. Was truly, it truly shook me to my core as a child. And it's awesome. You know, it's um, also awesome since we're bringing up Green Goblin memories. Yeah. Like the moment where um, Spider-Man is on the apartment's roof and mm-hmm. they go into Peter's room and like the blood drop, the blood drop is gets on the floor and you see Norman's reaction. Like, oh, um, yeah, yeah. I know he's here. Awesome. And then. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I remember a lot of superhero things knocking that off like there is an episode of oh yeah blood dropping the batman that did it with sweat but i was like i see Uh what you guys did where it's just like you're trying to hide and there's it's drop look up and he's not there yeah exactly but oh and then like that uh scene where like norman's carving the turkey and he sees the injury on peter's arm oh yeah and he starts putting it all together a lot of tension yes yeah. Um, yeah. Amaz- yeah, amazing. A lot of film. Green Goblin It's stuff. a performance that takes one of the less cool, like, or less cared about villains and makes it just the best villain. Like, yeah. uh, like uh, obviously, like, Sandman and Doc Ock and other things, like, Green Goblin was not one of the biggest Spider-Man villains, but his performance just took it to the next level, and that's why he was the main villain in this. So, yeah, like some people consider Spider-Man's Joker to be the Green Goblin, and I mm-hmm. never thought I never thought of that. Like, like I said, like obviously I remember it now, but like when I was younger, I don't remember the Green Goblin episodes of the '90s cartoon. Like for me, Spider-Man's Joker has always been Doc Ock. That's the way I viewed it too. And why I just said, I feel I would have thought, I guess I could be wrong, but I would have thought that no one would have said that until after the Sam Raimi Spider-Man's came out. Like I get like, if you read the original comics, no one tortures Peter the most in the green goblin. Like he figured out his identity. 
he killed Gwen. But I'm just like, I've always kind of felt like the big three, I guess, of like Spider-Man villains, in my opinion, were always Doc Ock, Lizard, and Venom. And then Goblin was kind of like next tier with like Craven or Mysterio or stuff like that. I guess that's what I thought too. But I guess I really could be wrong because, I mean, he's kind of starting to seem like the best villain to me. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's get into the next villain. My, As I said earlier, my favorite Spider-Man villain. And one of the reasons I decided to go see this movie, and that is Dr. Octopus. Yes. That's Otto. right. Otto Octavius. And... Doc Ock felt just like the character from Spider-Man 2, and Alfred Molina was great again in the role. And, you know, I think we mentioned earlier, like, I've been waiting for another Doc Ock versus Spider-Man movie. Even though, like, halfway through, he turns good, that bridge scene was everything I'd hoped for in, like, a rematch between Spider-Man and Doc Ock on Mm -hmm. the big screen. It was awesome. When Doc Ock was evil, he was my favorite villain in the movie. I thought, yeah, uh, like obviously Norman kind of really stood out, but like when he was a villain, Doc Ock was my favorite villain in the movie. So what'd you think about Doc Ock's role? By the way, one of my least favorite moments of the movie was when uh, Peter, Ned and MJ ask what his name is. And he says, oh, Octavius. And there's this really forced laugh, like, from all yeah. three, which I was no. like, that doesn't seem like a real laugh. And they're just kind of laughing at it. That yeah. that to me was like a, ooh, that was a homecoming moment. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was fine. Like it's, they're just kind of saying it's a silly last name. Not that they all have silly last names though, but <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. He's also one of my favorites. And, uh, you you know uh refreshing on spider-man 2 and i kind of forgot like just how fully he redeemed himself at the end of spider-man 2 it really did feel like a continuation of that and now i actually think it's kind of fun to rewatch them and kind of like try and like point out the frame like and there he gets teleported to uh, (laughs) because you know they were talking about how like it was like kind of a, a moment shortly before they died yeah. Uh so uh like I I cuz I was kind of trying to imagine like I feel like Doc Ock like evil Doc Ock like had uh Toby Maguire Spider-Man like his his face and his his claw and was about to kill him and then he's in no way home. Yes, it would have been like right before Peter yeah, does that great speech still, of like uh yeah. sometimes to do what's right, you have to give up the thing you want the most, even in our dreams. Yeah, so it's just interesting to think about how, like, he was brought into the No Way Home universe before that happened, when he was evil and about to, to destroy half of New York, and he was brought in, he was still on that same mission, like, I'm here to kill Peter Parker, and it was just kind of, it really felt like he was still on that same trajectory, but then he still got the redemption, but from uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, which is yes, interesting. Uh, and, you know, it, it felt very like, um, 
he really had an opportunity to interestingly feel like a hero in the story too because he was kind of you know he was the first redeemed and the, he yes. kind of stuck to it and that was really very sweet yes all right let's bring up our final kind of main villain like there are two other ones but this is kind of like the last main one let's yes. bring up electro mm-hmm. now electro has never been one of my favorite villains like as we said earlier, the top, I've always had Doc Ock, Lizard, Venom. Yeah. Then below, we had, um, like, Green Goblin, Mysterio. Electro's kind of down there with, like, Shocker and Vulture. It's like, okay, I guess he's fine, but <laughs> yeah. he's never been one of my favorites. But I thought he worked really well in here, and yeah. Jamie Foxx did a great job of playing him, like, very menacingly and stuff like that. So, it's good. I don't have a lot to say about Electro, but Cause he's not like one of my favorites, you know, but what are your thoughts on Electro? I mean, I, I agree. I think he was very, very good in this movie. Um, and I, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting as big of a role because I, I mean, was Electro amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah. So yeah, I barely remember that movie at all. So it was kind of like, it kind of just felt like a, uh, a new villain to me. Even when when they first were going to like the out into the woods at night the woods, with all yeah. the tele- and there was like the dirt moving and then the like light flashes. Like I was just like, who are they introducing? I don't know what's happening. It took me a little while to realize, oh, Electro? You know Is what? he in one of these movies? I don't you remember. Know- <laughs> oh yeah, you know what happened for me? There was a moment, like, remember in this scene where Andrew's talking about how, like, Max was the sweetest guy ever before he fell into the eels? There was a moment where I was like, who's Max? Oh. <laughs> like, who is he talking about? And I was like, oh, God, are they talking about the Parker Industry thing, Max Modell or whatever his name was? I was like, who's Max? And then when he talked about the eels, I was like, oh, yes, Max. You know, you're my eyes and ears, buddy, from uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yeah, but also I don't remember. I'm gonna rewatch it again soon. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was a great villain. Now, when you rewatch your those, these Spider-Man movies, because you're doing after the hype and No Way Home, I gotta ask: Will you be doing the three Avengers movies, the other two Watt Spider-Man, and Into the Spider-Verse? I think my plan uh, that I have lined up currently is I now need to rewatch Spider-Man 3, and then I'm immediately going to go to Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think I'm going to rewatch Homecoming and maybe even Far From Home. Well, and then watch No Way Home again. And then you'll... Will you include Spider-Verse? That's how I would always... Oh, yeah, it. I would do Spider-Verse too, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm very excited to get to that. Definitely going to. Oh, yes. So we went through all the characters. So I guess we'll jump back and forth now. So first I'll say another thing, which we couldn't say was a positive in the other two. And that was the story because unlike how homecoming and far from home were just random dumb comedy scenes stitched together, no way home was actually telling an interesting story. And for the most part, the humor in the film actually helped move the story forward and wasn't a detriment to the film. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of the post credit scene, all the fan service stuff had narrative purpose and benefit of the story. Like there was never a moment where I thought 
besides the post credit scene, something was just thrown in there just to be thrown in there. Uh huh. And that was like something when I saw the plot that they were going for after the second trailer, that kind of made me have a little bit of hope because kind of like how I always thought like Toby represented the Stan Lee era. Andrew represent the Brian Michael Bendis ultimate Spider-Man era. Tom Holland is his solo films that kind of represent the Dan slot era, which are mm-hmm. not the best. Yeah. But every once in a while, when he had a big event, like multiverse, like spider verse, he would put out something really good. So, mm-hmm. um, what were your thoughts about, I guess the overall, the story and the way they use the fan service. And would you agree? This was the first of the three MCU Spider-Man movies that actually was, had a story to tell. Yeah. I mean, it definitely had the most, like the story with the most emotional core. I, uh, um, yeah, really everything felt like it served a purpose and, um, was well thought out and even though it was like obviously convoluted you're dealing with this like bending of reality plot um which at at times i like in the back of my head maybe took a little bit of issue or i like i had worry that i was like uh this could be messy um because I I don't know. It's like almost like uh, I guess it's sort of it's one of those things where like the reason why it works so well is because they had like the emotional core figured out and the character arcs, the character development and the plot was in service of that. And uh, that's really what was uh, important about the whole thing. So the fact that the plot was written so well to accommodate for all of those things and to fit all of that in that amount of time was very well done to me. And uh, the other ones didn't have that really. So, yes. So I guess we'll jump back and forth now between our notes. So what do you have to say for what worked in Spider-Man No Way Home? What worked? Far bigger list than I thought we would have back a year ago. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Let me uh, actually pull up uh, sort of a... uh, I want to pull up a a plot synopsis and make sure I'm not uh, forgetting anything in particular. Uh, We talked about Doctor Strange, how that worked. Um, We talked about... Um, uh, you know what? I think let's jump all the way to, um, speaking of the emotional core of the movie, uh, and we talked about some of the like arcs of, uh, Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire and how those versions of the characters got closure. Uh, But I don't know how much we talked about like 
Tom Holland's closure in this and how, um, in a way, I feel like, I mean, I don't know what the plans are, but it does feel like it, it could wrap up here and it feels like it's gotten somewhere where there's some closure for Tom Holland's Spider-Man because uh, uh, I just, I, I do like that in this movie, how much of it was kind of this lesson on um uh peter parker like learning that like his wishes don't come first and that just the happiness of those he loves and the safety of other people is more important which feels like a lot that the toby mcguire version was dealing with as well um and i thought that the I, I personally thought the like the kind of the, the, the Christmas scene basically you uh, uh you mentioned that there's something Christmassy about it I thought that was uh beautiful and there's something weird that it feels I don't know how to explain it but it does feel like a mature heroic thing to do to like see that your friends are happy and to just say that's good enough and not trying to insert yourself into it, which is kind of the mental struggle he was going through. Was like he, they didn't remember who he was. And to be honest, this actually kind of goes into when we first reviewed the trailer, I said, I actually think this is going to be good because I think there's possibility that this could be this almost like uh, a, a one wonderful life, like style, like lesson thing. And it did turn out to be that. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, we got to mention really... when we did, when we read some of the comments that people were having, they were like, oh my God, this is one more day. The storyline, one more day, um, which is where after Civil War, everyone knew Peter was Spider Man. Aunt May was close to death. And then he made the deal to kind of reset everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, that's just going to be the setup. In the end, now look, I've not read all of one more day, but I know kind of the basic gist. I'm like, was a little bit more one more day than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> or it did kind of reset everything. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of get that. Um, yeah, it it feels like I, I mean I really really loved the scene where um, Doctor Strange is trying to close all of the errors in the spell and you see rhino and stuff almost coming in and you saw craven uh, too i i didn't oh cool I'll have to it's like do with a spear I just assumed yeah. that was him mm -hmm. I, I i just happened to only notice him but yeah and then just um peter kind of making that decision to make a choice for the best like that after everything's happened i finally have to accept that um uh like i just can't have everything i want essentially like i've already lost too much and this is what's best um it kind of does uh that kind of feels like very spider-man because i mean just going to i mean 
something I noticed in Spider-Man 1 and 2. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of fighting and stuff, but at the end, Spider-Man kind of just tries to like have a heart to heart with people. <laughs> he, uh, it's like kind of interesting that in Spider-Man one, he tries to like, just reach into, uh, his heart and like, uh, uh, in, in not literally of course. North. Oh yeah. No, he, that would be, that would be murder. No, he tries to reach. That would be in- R raid and be like, guys, this is a weird <laughs> ending. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's funny that in Spider-Man one, he tries that. And he's tricked. The Green Goblin, it, he's not actually uh, back to Norman. Uh, he's actually um, tricking him and he presses the button and uh, that backfires. In two, uh, Spider-Man tries he the heart to heart thing. Uh, oh, the the thing for the, the glider. Oh, yeah, right. He has like a, a button, right? Oh, yeah. And that, there's that great scene. Like, I have father's name was Ben Parker. To which Richard is turned over in his grave, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, um, Richard shouldn't have died. Yeah. Uh, he tries the same thing in Spider-Man 2, but this time it works. He's just like, hey, man, stop. And yes. then Otto is like, you're right, actually. Uh, and so that kind of felt like that same, like, I can't solve this by beating people up and killing people. I just, I have to make this decision that's just right. Um, so it felt very Spider-Man. Felt very, uh, I mean, the stakes were obviously bigger than the neighborhood, but it, it felt friendly neighborhood Spider-Man adjacent. Um, and that's why I think the, uh, calm, what the, the what the story culminated in was much more satisfying than the other previous solo spider-man movies because it, it had that heart to it oh yes it's a lot to unpack right there but yes i i would say like when you said this kind of felt like the end kind of felt like a conclusion i would say besides wrapping up toby and andrew's movies this wrapped up the spider-man we had in the russo brother movies this wrapped up the character from Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. Mm -hmm. And now at the end, it's kind of this new rebooted version. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's almost, I mean, it's pretty much a clean slate. Like, like, honestly, I, with, whenever that next one comes out, I almost don't even consider it a sequel to No Way Home or the others. It's kind of its own kind of brand new fresh start thing. Yeah, this does. It feels like a close and the start of a new chapter. Like, yeah, no feels matter like what in universe next. reboot. Yeah, and also, yeah, like I'll get into more later. But the scene where you know at the coffee shop, I would say was Tom Holland's best performance as Peter Parker he's ever had. Uh, and wait, coffee shop. The, I mean, uh, the end of the Christmas scene where he sees. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. His best scene is Peter Parker. And the most that felt like Peter Parker, it kind of felt like the end of Spider-Man 1 where he couldn't be with Mary Jane. Mm -hmm. It felt like, yeah, for Spider-Man, he kind of has to lose. And that's kind of what makes the character the most interesting. It's not like, 
mm-hmm. in the previous film where Liz Allen is like, um, oh, my God, Peter, you disappeared. But we're all so concerned. Oh, Peter, um, I know you ditched our team twice, but I'm still going to go prom with you. Oh, Peter, you <laughs> left me at homecoming, but I hope whatever's going on, you're still OK. It was like, guys, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. But like this one, it felt like, yes, that is what makes Peter Parker so interesting is he's the average guy who loses a lot. Yeah, he's kind of a freaking loser. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Yes. So he's the guy who can't pay his rent and has a bad door. Oh, yes. I swear to you, I thought at the final scene, when he goes to the apartment, I thought we were going to see it was the landlord from Toby's movies. <laughs> oh, I I didn't. I I did fully expect there to be like a reference or something like uh, I was looking out for an apartment reference, but yeah, that would have been funny. Yes. He's listening to a police radio, just like uh, Toby did in his third movie. Yeah. Although (laughs) he's the first Spider-Man who now has to get a GED. Uh, Oh, did he not graduate high school? Well, remember in the boxes, it shows high school GED test book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does feel the most jock-like of them. I mean, in spirit, <laughs> he like, you know, he's he feels a little less nerdy than the other. Yeah, I just hope. Next one, guys, please. Not another high school movie. Let's move forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So. I guess I can quickly say two things before I get into this one. Uh, Like you said earlier, I wasn't a big fan of the first five to 10 minutes of the movie, but we're going to talk about something cool that happened in there that we hadn't seen in a previous Spider-Man movie. The scene where he's web swinging with MJ in the subway tunnel. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. That was, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. And some good web swinging. Oh, yeah. J.K. Simmons is always great as J. Jonah Jameson. And look, I'm not a fan of him being an Alex Jones parody, but I liked how in this film compared to, well, he was only in the post-credits scene, the other one, but it evolved from more of just like this conspiracy jerk online to more of a reporter where he was going out there and doing stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally found fun, like the, the reference to like the the peddling like protein powder is funny to me. <laughs> oh yes. Also, um, we had two actors in this movie who are, which is, I mean, it's hard to say because it's the only Marvel movie we both saw last year, but was also mm-hmm. in the best DC movie of last year. In Zack Snyder's Justice League, we oh. had J.K. as Commissioner Gordon and William Defoe as the dude from Aquaman. Yeah. See, I was trying to think of who was in Wonder Woman 1984, but that didn't come out. In, that, that was 20. It feels like it because it was Christmas time. But yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. only DC movies were <laughs> Snyder's Justice League and James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Got it. All right. And this is, I guess, is kind of similar to what you said. The interrogation college reject, rejection scene showed how complicated Peter's life can be as Spider Man, something you couldn't do in Avengers references and Avengers appearances. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they finally showed the relatable struggles for Peter 
instead of stuff just working out for him, like we said, Liz Allen in Homecoming, or his relation. Well, I guess that kind of got a little earned in Far From Home after she found out he was Spider Man, but yeah. Yeah, raindrops keep falling on his head. It was uh, a sad time for Peter Parker in, yes. in this movie. No, things weren't going right. Yes. And you know what? That's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So since we, I guess I'll go to another thing. Let's talk about something fans were as convinced would happen as much as Toby and Andrew. And I was so certain wouldn't happen. Like, even like when I believe Toby and Andrew were in it, I was like, this thing is not going to happen. I 100% guarantee you. It was the man without fear himself, Daredevil. That's oh, right. Yeah. I Jeez, so much happened. I forgot this was going to be in it. Yeah, Daredevil was, was in it. Yeah. Yes. The one fan theory I never thought would happen, happened. And Daredevil has always been one of my favorite Marvel characters. And it was great to finally have him in a movie again. Yeah. And my introduction to Daredevil was in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon where Daredevil was Peter's lawyer, so it felt real special to have that in there. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, I don't think this movie changes. This movie by itself doesn't change my opinion on the MCU. Like, I still think it's a dead franchise. But, like, this movie, like, for the past little bit, we haven't had really anchor characters in the MCU now that Cap and Iron Man are gone. Yeah, but in Shang-Chi, we have Bruce Banner, which, I mean, because of legal rights, he can't have his own solo movies, but we still have Bruce Banner. Now they've had Spider-Man. Now we have Daredevil, and that's like another anchor character. So right now we kind of have mm -hmm. three kind of big anchor characters who can like Thor, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange. They just in my they're not anchor characters for the MCU. You know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. but daredevil spider-man bruce banner who was like the hulk and we do know chris evans is coming back so i still think the yeah. mcu is dead but if we wanted to build towards a more satisfying ending we do kind of as of right now have three kind of anchor characters so what do you think of daredevil appearing in the film and we did have a little multiverse crossover with Daredevil appearing with an alternate version of Foggy Nelson from Ben Affleck's Daredevil movie. Yeah. Um, I'm taking physical notes here. I'm studious today. <laughs> um, I saw the... Uh, I don't have that much emotional attachment to Daredevil, honestly. I remember seeing the first few episodes of the series at a time when I was checked out of superhero things and just not being into it. I got to say something. It's going to make some people mad. Yeah. I like the Daredevil show, but I do think it's a bit overrated. I think it was hyped up too much for me. I just, I was a little I was bored by it. I, I gotta say, I don't think that the episodes are really good on their own. It's like standalone episodes. I see. Yeah. 
like it didn't feel like each episode was like a satisfying event. It felt like it was just another chapter in this long story. I wish that like there's some episodes where you're like nothing really happened in this episode. Like overall, I do like it. It's really the only Marvel show, live action show I've liked outside of the Bill Bixby Hulk show, but I do think it's a little overrated. Got it. I mean, yeah, I don't have, I can't be the the defender on that one. Like I just, I, I mean, I'm more of a fan of Daredevil from the comics and the cartoons. Yeah. Um, I've been more interested in giving Daredevil a chance because I, I, there are some things about the comics. Like I, I've heard some things about the comics that like there, there's some really experimental stuff with how the things are drawn and like how seeing or like, like the seeing sound kind of thing is portrayed. And that like, it's really fascinating, uh, but I've never read any of the comics, so I wouldn't know. And so when Daredevil showed up, it was kind of like, Oh wow. Um <laughs> okay. I'm just uh where's Toby? <laughs> uh, um it turns out it'd be a little while. But just imagine so- you at home where you could publicly ask that. Like you're watching it at home on Blu-ray yeah. and you turn to like I don't know, whoever's watching it with you, where like your mom's watching yeah. it with you, like, hey mom, when's Toby coming? Mom, when's Toby coming? Mom, you said Toby was in. Where is he? Yeah. Yeah, they made me wait. But I am curious. Like, that was earlier on. That was kind of early in the movie. He was, like, one of the... He he was, I think, the first, like, you know, unexpected, like, introduction from another year. I mean, that was early on. I'm kind of wondering what was going through your head early on in the movie when suddenly the thing you never thought would happen, Daredevil is in it. Oh boy. Do I want to bring this up? Okay. I will. So I didn't think Daredevil was going to be in the film. Mm -hmm. And, and luckily it would, it happened after the interrogation, which is like when the movie started, I was like, all right, this ain't interesting. Like the interrogation scene, like, I like the scene with Aunt May and the interrogator guy or when dad where he's mm-hmm. like, I would like to have my um, confession stricken from the record or whatever. Yeah. So at first I was like, when we saw the cane, I was like, okay. And then it showed his face. I was like, oh my God, that's Daredevil. Oh my God, that's Daredevil. I never yeah. thought this would happen. Although it did me another thing. Yeah. Because, and I almost sent this to you when it happened. Yeah. A few months ago, there were some pictures that got leaked. One of them was Charlie Cox's Daredevil at a table with Peter, Happy, and May. Oh. The other one was <clears throat> Toby, Andrew, and Tom standing in their Spider-Man suits without their masks, which turned out was like when Doctor Strange pops up when he comes back from the Grand Canyon or whatever. I see. And when I saw Daredevil was in, I was like, wait a minute. Those, that first picture was real. Then that means the other one is real. So mm-hmm. if Daredevil's in here, that means Toby and Andrew are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, I, I was shocked, to be honest, when I saw Daredevil. <clears throat> pop up now I'll, I'll just say it 
we've had three Spider-Man movies. They've all had crossovers. I was my favorite crossover in the solo Spider-Man movies was Peter and Daredevil. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't have much to say on it, but it's interesting. It, it was surprising. Yes. So I guess um, we'll go on to your next thing for. Yes. yes I almost said yes. Daryl for Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, man. This is taking notes is such a good taking notes while podcasting yes. is such a good idea. All right. Um, because I, I had for, I had already forgotten the thing I really wanted to bring up. Um, I really, this kind of goes into some of the stuff I was saying about how it really felt like such a at its core Spider-Man movie and, uh, in many satisfying ways, because I, um, it, as I was first watching it and maybe right after I got out that day, I was almost thinking of like, that I would write this down as like, eh, I don't know how to feel about that thing, but I'm, I'm going to fully say that like this is something i really actually appreciate i'm a little concerned now Um, are we gonna have a big fight or i don't know all it is is that okay maybe you'll know what i'm talking about when i say this but it, it can be frustrating when like for example in infinity war star lord gets a little too ego and emotional and he gets he starts this big old fight with where's Gamora? Yes. And, I and always... he causes everything bad because yes. he won't be heroic about it. Yes. And I have to say, I always get a little pissed with Star-Lord in that scene because although I like Endgame, mm-hmm. I always think, had he not punched Thanos, we could have had a better Avengers 4. <laughs> I mean, it, like none of that would have happened. He was like, uh, so... When like I'm the so glad inciting, I got <laughs> yeah, he was gone for a little bit. When the inciting incident is from the stupid actions of the hero, that can be frustrating because then you're almost like not rooting for them. You're like, God, you're an idiot. And so a lot of the a lot of the stuff that happened were because of decisions Peter Parker made. Last from, minute, real last minute decisions. <laughs> yes, quick, like flighty decisions. Should have made from, a list earlier. Yeah, he needed a pros and cons list. He needed to think it over. Yes. <clears throat> um, like from, like, going and trying to change the fabric of time, uh, first, <laughs> um, before calling, <laughs> as uh, Doctor Strange pointed out. Uh, because you can call them and make your case. I'm going to say um, something. Yeah. I very much related to Peter in that moment where he said, I mean, I could have called them. Uh, no, I did too. That to me that, was like, oh my God, I would never that, that is call. me. That is me. Yeah. I, I would, would never have called them. I would have just said, well, the letter's there. It's official then. There's nothing yeah. I can do. Yeah, it's true. So there's that in like him kind of like <laughs> like kind of messing with the spell and then um really okay this is really what i was going to bring up that i that i uh like which is that like um in a similar way like the movie could have been over right there they uh dr strange was about to send everyone back 
he was about to um, send all of the captured villains back to where they came from and wrap it up. But Peter Parker was like, no, I want to help them. I want them to be redeemed. Uh, banish you. And he takes over. He's like, I'm in charge now. I'm doing this. Doctor Strange, you're gone dangling over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. Oh, and yes. at first I was like, I mean, that decision kind of, in a way, like, that eventually resulted in Aunt May dying. So, like, it, it could have just been over. But I actually, um, I think the the thing that really redeems that is, like, um, like, Doctor Strange comes back and they're just like, oh, it's working. And, like... Doctor Strange also kind of reaches this realization that he was being overly pragmatic and like treating um, Peter Parker like a kid. And I think he kind of comes to uh, Peter Parker's side in it event at that point, uh, which is that like this really was the right thing to do. You're trying to help more people. You saw that these people could be fixed and you did it um even no matter what the stakes were and so that's why i think it's a great part of the story um that peter parker saw what needed to be on it you know it's like he's he's a lead in this movie he's not like taking orders from other people he saw what needed to be done and he did it it doesn't matter if the, he's not the wizard if like yes he was right and so I really like that. Oh, yes. It kind of goes back to like the whole great power, great responsibility thing. He had to find a way. Mm -hmm. I think like at the end, like with the other peers of green, you know, it showed he was the it was the right thing to do. Although although I thought, you know, it was great. If the movie had sucked, I was going to it would have changed our opinions on that. Probably. We're just like. Well, we wouldn't have had to go through this, Peter, if you had done it. But because the movie yeah. is good, it's set up. A, yeah, you know, a and better that's kind part of what of I was saying. Where like I, I felt like I could have came out with this with a different opinion, uh, because as that was happening, I was like, eh. and I mean, like that's obviously the intention. I think where I'm like, oh my gosh, Peter Parker, you're letting all of the villains go. But it's well, only like a few trusted, yeah. Uh, and it turned out he was kind of wrong too. But you know, I think that's part of what makes Spider Man an interesting hero to me is you know, it, I appreciate the not being overly pragmatic, the being willing to trust, um, and just wanting to fix things and make things right. I, I just I ended up really, really liking. The, that element to the story where I felt like it easily could have been an annoying part of the story. Oh, like yes. if the rest of the movie were bad. Oh, yes, I agree with a lot of what you just said. All right. So I'll say a few things real quick. So it was nice to see Peter and Strange's relationship continue after Infinity War. It was nice to see, you know, after everything Peter went through, Strange had pity for him in his current situation about everyone knowing his secret identity. Yeah. 
And he was the only character of the three films. Like we had Tony and we had Nick Fury and we had Dr. Strange. He was the only one who felt like an actual mentor to Peter in the film. Like the other two, like Tony and Nick were just kind of saying up some, the next action scene. Yeah. So I loved kind of seeing uh, the continuation of their relationship. And yeah. So what do you think about Dr. Roll, Dr. Strange as a mentor in the <laughs> film? Kind of continuing uh, his relationship with Peter after Infinity War. Yeah, I really like his mentor-like relationship with uh, Peter, and I—I I mean, I think I covered a lot of a lot of the reasons for that, and a lot of the reasons I covered. I think that Doctor Strange is a good dynamic uh, with him, and um, I, I also like. With, with what I just mentioned, I do think it's really like it feels very fitting that at the beginning Peter is kind of taking some lessons from Doctor Strange trying to like, you know, balance some of that pragmatism and uh, doing the right thing. But then by the end, he is almost he, he's learned something from the person he was mentoring. Uh, the Oh, uh, yes. The uh, teacher becomes the student kind of thing and I, I thought that was a lot of a lot of growth um uh yeah i think that's really it it was it was a good mental relationship because of that um and oh and the scene uh, you know i i really liked the scene where they're having the discussion where like uh peter parker comes up with the um the idea that like if everyone forgot that I'm who Peter Parker is, then this would solve the problem. Uh, and Dr. Strange realizes that he's right, but he doesn't want that to be the case because he doesn't want to forget. Um, and so he's like, uh, you know, uh, he's being kind of stone cold a lot of the movie, but he's just like, the people who love you, we are going to have to, like, that, that was oh, a good yes. scene when he was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was a great scene. scene. Mm -hmm. so now you i guess we can say like you still like homecoming i mean it's been a long <laughs> uh three and a half four years or like something, every day but, it gets a little worse but i still um, like it <laughs> but i think i like it yeah yeah would you agree that dr strange's role was so much better than iron man's role in homecoming like it just like was 10, so much more percent. satisfying he was actual a mentor yeah. in here yeah like ten thousand percent like i think what i was saying or yeah yeah without a doubt oh yes so i guess we can move on to your next thing then for the film um did we mention aunt may died i, I don't think did. we, we did, did at the very the mercy beginning. kill of a character <laughs> they butchered so badly in the previous yeah, but two films. I, I mean, uh, I think part of the thing, like, I, I feel like, um, I mean, obviously, like, not the best edition of Aunt May, but I think it was kind of redeemed in this because... Yes. Um, uh, but not the beginning, not in the first few minutes. First sure, few minutes, but, she was awful. But then, 
by the time we get to the feast scene, you know, like the this movie kitchen, makes me really like Aunt May. I was, was yes, like, yeah. it brought her back to the character she was in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, I guess I thought. Um, I guess this kind of goes into the entire. Um, I'm wondering if I'm getting ahead of myself because I feel like I, I this is kind of goes into the apartment fight scene, which kind of goes into the uh, idea of how to fix them. But we'll we'll stick to just uh, the death scene. I'm curious. Uh, um, so Green Goblin swoops in. They're just about to get out. She and uh, you see the look on their. Uh, oh, can I just real quick, real quick? I got. I, yeah. I apologize for interrupting you, but That's I just fine. gotta say one pretty good line. I mean, it was a little corny, but it was pretty good. It's uh, Aunt May taps on Doc Ock's shoulder, water, and she goes, "Um, fresh or salt?" You know, because <laughs> yeah. you're a doctor, boss. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did love that. Uh, but yeah, I like like she's kind of it. Uh. Aunt May, I forget what she does exactly, but she's trying to help. She starts running down the stairs, um, anticipating that things are about to go awry. Yeah, she grabs uh, the cure they had for Goblin. Yes. Um, uh, so that was uh, kind of one last uh, like redemptive uh, like moment that was that was nice. But then they're down in the a lobby near the exit and green goblin you know puts the whole place ablaze and um i forget exactly is it the glider hits yeah. her is that yeah i thought so um so i wasn't aware of uh a lot of these predictions so i wasn't necessarily expecting aunt may to die i didn't know it was an option so i'm curious like you know, she gets hit by the glider. Did you immediately think like, oh, she's going to die? Well, yeah, the leak described it was she gets hit by the glider and there's, um, he tries to catch the pumpkin bomb. And even though, even though he catches it, she was still hurt by the glider. And there's going to be a scene where Tom, you know, sees her blood. Oh, okay. So you basically knew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still kind of, was operating under the possibility that she was going to be fine, which like, if you are in my position, you don't see leaks like that. I thought it was very well acted, well performed because it's kind of this, uh, the way she performed it and the way it was written, it, it kind of was felt like this realistic, like reaction to like, you almost, your brain doesn't want to accept that you've just received a fatal injury. So you're just like, I need to catch my breath. I I feel kind of weird, but it's it's fine. Um, and so you kind of do have the uh, the um, uh, what's the phrase uh, the the sort of false hope the uh, denial <laughs> you're you're in denial that uh, you, for a second you think she's gonna be okay basically. And so, uh, and then, of course, she isn't. 
And uh, the slow realization that that's what's happening is really powerful when you don't have leaks read early. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, I don't do this for every movie. I only do it for ones I think I'm fairly certain will suck, like Batman Mm. versus Superman and this. (laughs) Yeah, and that's fair. But yeah, I, I thought that that was very powerful and it was like, Things got real, real fast, and um, it was just, it was heartbreaking, and another great, uh, it was just an overall great performance from uh, whoever plays Aunt May. And Marissa Tomei. Great, and a great performance from whoever plays Spider-Man, whatever his name is. Yeah, there's like three uh, of them, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard I to keep straight. Keep yeah, so great performances all around during that scene. Yeah, I, I guess I'll talk about that scene for a little bit. So, knew it was coming, but like, it was really nice to have Aunt May tell him, like, no, we still did the right thing, mm-hmm. you know? And we finally got it, you know, two movies too late, but we finally got the with great power comes great responsibility line. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how, like, at the end it was the coffee shop scene was Tom's best scene of Spider-Man. Although I do go back to now, look, I don't have an emotional attachment to this aunt may like in my mind, she only appeared in one scene in civil war and she had non speaking Mm -hmm. role in, um, end game. So I don't have an emotional attachment, but man, Holland really brought that performance. Like you felt so bad for him. Mm-hmm. in that scene i don't know if it was intentional or not but him saying you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay that's it that's just what andrew said to gwen when she died i don't know if that was intentional or not but oh interesting I mean, and very uh, could be a lot of it thought, and it felt like the camera out. angles were were just like mm-hmm. in that scene like the way they focused on tom and stuff like that i think it probably is intentional because uh like the loss that Tom Holland Peter had uh, is supposed to be reflective of the the loss that uh, Andrew Garfield Peter has. Like, I mean, all three of them—they're all operating off of a significant loss. It's just different in their universe what that loss was. Yes, I gotta say, like right after having Gwen—I mean, having Aunt May die. <laughs> Peter over her body and you know he's been injured from the pumpkin bomb he doesn't have his mask mm-hmm. and then we see happy drive and then the SWAT team comes and they arrest him and happy's yelling Peter run and you know you hear the score of the music that right there felt like oh man the stakes are big this time and this isn't yeah. Avengers this is Spider-Man where he's on his own mm-hmm. so yeah, you don't got like, all that help that scene right there, you just felt like, oh my god, the stakes are high now. Yeah, that that really was, um, like I said, things got real then. That's, uh, I think like the stakes felt somewhat low to Peter, which is which is maybe why he like made that decision to like, oh, I'm not done yet. I'm gonna fix them. But then things got to the point where it was like, this needs to end. This is very bad. Oh, so. yes. 
So I guess I'll go to a few other points then. Mm -hmm. And look, you mentioned it earlier. I hate Ned in the other two films. But in this one, even though there was a little cringe, a little like, let's catch the multiverse men or on the phone, dude, dude, dude. I was like, ugh. But um, I thought overall, they made Ned and MJ work in the movie. Like they weren't detriments. They moved the plot forward. And for the most part, there was obviously some that didn't work, but for the most part, their humor worked in the movie and helped move it Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of them worked way better and felt like much more fully fledged characters that I cared about and thought were funny and relatable and great to be there. Uh, Particularly with MJ, actually. I, I, I really liked her in this movie. Oh, yes. And also, let's bring up the two villains we couldn't bring up earlier because they are smaller roles. Yeah, we've got some other ones. So small that um, when they transform back, it's actually stock footage from Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh. So let's talk about the return of the Lizard, who is my second yeah. favorite Spider-Man villain of all time. Mm-hmm. and Sandman. So, um, obviously, Lizard is my second favorite Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. I thought that... What is the dude's name? Rafe's Ethan? I don't know. It's a name I don't remember, and yeah. it's hard to read aloud. But he was great coming back as a Lizard. His voice, even though he, he played it a little differently than he did in the first movie, I thought Lizard was awesome in the movie. Um, and Sandman was really cool too. It was cool. It felt like he evolved to where he now was full sand and stuff like that. True. He was very made out of sand. Yes. He was very sandy. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, before we get into my next thing, what'd you think about the return of lizard and Sandman? Uh, I liked both of them. I guess I would maybe say I liked uh, Sandman's presence in it a little more because uh, I feel like he had a little bit more interaction with the plot and interesting things to say. He had like the good conversation with uh, Electro uh, in the apartment. And uh, Lizard, I mean... I feel like there wasn't much except that I feel like he was just kind of a subject of some comedy bits. Uh, so there isn't a lot to say. Um, uh, he's creepy. His, uh, I don't know if they've totally figured out the CGI in the mouth, but you know, that's in the shade most of the time. So who cares? Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so- great villain. Oh, yes. Oh, before I forget, I have this question to ask. something I've been thinking of for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. But w- was it a little missed opportunity, speaking of the Aunt May death scene, to not maybe have Tom maybe have a little closure by... I mean, I don't know how it could have worked in the film when you think about how the way they're sent back. 
But could was there a missed opportunity to not have Tom have closure either with Rosemary Harris or Sally Fields' aunt name? Maybe just a little scene between them to have some closure. Mm. Though I don't know how it works because just the logic, like it wouldn't made sense know. how they would pop up. Yeah, that's what I'm not quite connecting with. I don't know why they would pop up. But like it would just be like a way for Tom to kind of say goodbye to Aunt May, even though we'll get in it later. I don't think Aunt May is going to stay dead. Mm, interesting. Yes. All right. We'll get we'll get to this one then. The tension of Spider-Man, you know, running and rushing to get to Feast and Norman's reaction to the new universe was great. And like I said earlier, starting this scene, it felt like Aunt May was back to the character from Civil War. So what do you think? I thought that was like a really tension-filled and awesome scene of like Spider-Man realizing, oh, crap, the Goblin is with Aunt May right now and trying to get there. And then William Defoe kind of being like, Oh my God, I'm in this universe. There's no Oscorp. My son doesn't exist. Yeah. What do we do? <laughs> so what do you yeah. think of like that scene? What is Feast? I'm Feast also looking at is I can't the remember. thing that like the homeless shelter that Aunt May works oh, at. Oh, yes, yes. That's that. Yes. When then, I read the leak, yeah. they kept talking about Feast. And I was like, what is that? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know the name of it. Uh, so that confused me. It was during this part that I actually wondered for a bit if, like, like Green Goblin was actually dead. Like, he uh, <laughs> wasn't connected to that uh, in this universe and that he was really just going to be Norman Osborn helping because he was so good at playing off being, like, kind and receptive to Aunt May's, like, uh, help and stuff. And so when he got there and he was very worried, I thought it was like a very good, like relief of tension that you're kind of alleviated of the worry of like the fact that he's the green goblin, uh, because he's just so good at acting like the, the, the Jekyll or which is the bad one. I don't know. Jekyll, wait, Dr. Jekyll's (laughs) the good one. Mr. Hyde's the bad one thought so he's so good at acting like a, a jekyll an opposite speaking um, of which remember the are we used to have to do where um you talked about how you read one book the whole semester took the test and failed uh, yeah and was, like i don't fellowship of the ring yes it was, uh, i had a similar situation with dr jekyll and mr hyde interesting shorter yes. book i actually kind of i've never read that book i actually kind of want to read it as uh I mean, it's public um, domain, so you should be able to yeah. get it. There's the book I failed. <laughs> I since read it again. Well, Still well. a lot to take in. <laughs> yes. But, did you uh, hear it's also public domain now? Oh, I did. I Oh, oh, oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I forgot. What is it? Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Yes, okay. that's right. Soon we can actually use Winnie the Pooh in unwanted answers. Maybe we'll make a short film. Yeah, we and can no one can stop us. Winnie no one can stop us. Yeah. We're gonna do like a um, Winnie the Pooh, how his addiction to honey, aka heroin, has destroyed his yeah. life. And yeah, how we can we can launch a new podcast called the Winnie the Pooh Cast. 
where oh, we just yes. write Winnie the Pooh episodes. Yes, like just imagine, like um, <laughs> there's like um a scene where like Tigger is like his drug salesman, <laughs> and um he goes to Kanga for like drug money. <laughs> like Pooh's like, oh bother, you must help me get the honey. And Tigger says, I'm gonna bounce you to death, mother effers. And then boo 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 boo, and then. Rue gets hit by a stray bullet from Tigger <laughs> and Tigger says, that's your warning. And then Tigger bounces away. And then Kanga's holding a dying Rue and says, Pooh, won't you stop with this drug habit? It's hurting everyone else in the hundred acre woods. And then like, um, <laughs> like Pooh, just like, I no longer give a bother. And yeah. just walks away. <laughs> Is it bad that I genuinely love the idea of um, like a, like the idea of starting a podcast where the entire like the intro is like almost a law and order style like <laughs> in the year 2022 Winnie the Pooh became public domain <laughs> and uh, it is from here on out that we'll be rewriting the Winnie the Pooh canon starting with episode one and like just kind of going off the rails with a completely inappropriate Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. it's, some, it's something to think about. Like, yeah. we could have it. Piglet is secretly working for the police. Like, yeah. Pooh is just like, you've been wired this whole time? And then it's like, yeah. Piglet, I mean, Piglet's like, Pooh, we're friends. I should have ate you when I had the chance, Piglet. Yeah, the podcast could also be called Pooplic Domain or something. Oh, yes. So, um, yes, I don't know how we got there, but it doesn't matter. It's it doesn't it's, that rabbit hole came on paper. And I think we have our third show idea. Public, public domain. Yes. I'm just going to write that down in my, my notebook. We're someday like we could just create it and we'll send it to festivals. We'll do a little animated short. Send it to all and yeah. just you can animate them. It's public domain. Oh yes, we can. Although we can't use the Disney stuff, but we can yeah. do whatever else we want. Like yeah, Winnie the Pooh as a like a drug addicted to honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we can make it work. Yeah, Owl's yeah, the absolutely. chief of police. Yeah, and, you know, Gopher is <laughs> Gopher is underground making meth. Oh, it'll be awesome. Yeah. We can have someone canonically die. I yes. don't know it would be like Piglet or something. It's just dead. Then at the end, like Christopher Robin has to destroy them all because they're all his toys. Yeah. And it ends with them putting him in the shredder or something like Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 gets them all in a room and binds them in and out like a horror movie. He he just shoots them one by one. Yes, and then like Pooh's like, um, shoot me, shoot me, Christopher Wait. Robin. I'm already dead. Wait, it's exactly like have you seen the 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 pull the trigger piglet meme? That's, I have not. <laughs> that's literally that. Um, but it's like someone made like a comic or something <laughs> that was like really dark, and it's like <laughs> piglet holding a shotgun. Uh Oh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll share. We could have there be two gangs. There's Heffalumps and Woozles. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so dark. 
<laughs> this is before it was public domain. Someone oh, made yes. this comic panel. And if we do it, we have to have it where it's like that very kind of discolored coloring. Like um, it's not bright. Yeah. There's a little bit of gray. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's dark. Yes. Man. Can write like a theme song that's well, no, we can't because that's Disney, but could write a song, we could take some of the first few words of, like the book, turn it into a depressing song. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely have to learn a bit more about public domain and how that works. Like, I do have we get in my with? room the original Winnie the Pooh, like a reprint of the original Winnie the Pooh books before Disney. So, oh, awesome. There is yeah. something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Because we can do think, whatever we want. Yeah, I feel like that's the test. Like the rabbit is a prostitute for for vegetables. <laughs> My God, I feel like I feel like the fun. This thing... isn't the cauliflower I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Not down there. My gosh, I feel like the fun thing is definitely trying to see the absolute biggest thing we can get away with now that's public domain yeah like what could never have been done before because obviously yes. like parody is a thing that you can do like this pull the trigger piglet thing it's like a it, yes. it's parody it's like fan art but like what this is, is the most we could actually get away with that would have been totally illegal before? this is full adaption but yet with some very important details changed yeah like there's a scene like talking about like where you're talking about Christopher Robin has to shoot all of them. Like, there's a moment <laughs> yeah. where Pooh is just like, pull it, Christopher Robin. He'll be doing both of us a favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, good stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I really don't know how we got on that. Well, like a Godfather part two where there's a <laughs> there's a traitor in um in there's two gangs. There's the Heffalumps and the Woozles. And Pooh is kind of like a member of the Heffalumps. And like, there's a moment where he knows there's a traitor in the Heffalumps and he yeah. is talking to Eeyore and he just gives him a kiss on the cheek. And he's like, you are my brother, Eeyore. I can't believe you betrayed me. And then at the end, there's a moment where, let's see, who else, who could be a hitman for in the Wayne the Pooh? There could be a moment. Let's see. Uh, it couldn't be Tigger. He's part of the opposite. Um, Rue before he died. Like Pooh tells Rue, "Hey, go take him out." And then Eeyore thinks that they're gonna go on a fishing trip. And then, bang, <laughs> you kill Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My gosh. <clears throat> I think we do it in the style of those creepy toys, the creepy original toys. Yes. Yes. Fit, redesigns so that they're like it's sort of like this Victorian era chic where everything just feels like it's infected by scarlet fever just this, this hanging this looming like child death feeling to the whole they thing. are going through like the 20th century and all its horrors yeah. like Christopher Robin dies in World War One. Yeah, Piglet are <laughs> deeply victims of imperialization Yes. Uh, to spread the spread of disease, bubonic, bub, bubonic plague, or whatever. Yeah. Spanish flu. Yes. And the curse of poo is you can never die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, bother. Why won't someone kill me? Uh, oh, boy. That rabbit hole. That, that is really. Yeah. We've officially reached that point of the episode. Yes. This is supposed to be our concise review episode. Wow. Yes. I mean, that is my favorite idea we've ever come up with. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but wow. Yes. But, well, as far as uh, Spider-Man is concerned, we're actually going to have to uh, pick up where we left off there next episode. And by pick up where we left off, I, I wish that I meant um, more discussion about Winnie the Pooh, um, Winnie the Pooh cast. Uh, but unfortunately, no, I mean, continuing the review of the movie Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, getting into some other things we thought worked in the movie, and uh, also some what's next. That's kind of the the main conceit of the next episode. So uh, tune in next week for the final part of this series, uh, some rabbit hole, lots of rabbit hole, and uh, our final thoughts about Spider-Man No Way Home. So keep falling down that rabbit hole. Though our time with our hosts talking about our favorite hero has come to an end, their journey is not over yet. Face front, true believers, the rest of the review will swing its way to you in the next episode.